So Numbers 21, 4 through 9, the bronze serpent. From Mount Hor they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. May God bless the reading of this word. I'd like to invite Pastor Pat, who will share in today's message. Good morning, Crossbridge. I'm delighted to be with you this morning as we weave together our shared experience and the wisdom that we find in God's Word. As a congregation of students, much like my son who just graduated eighth grade, and with many professionals who are practicing in the fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, let's commence our exploration with a familiar scientific principle, the law of inertia. Remember that one? Um, this isn't just about physics, but it presents us with a helpful analogy for understanding our spiritual lives. Newton's first law, the law of inertia, tells us that an object that's in motion will remain in motion, and an object that is at rest will remain at rest until an external force acts on it. Now, Consider our spiritual lives as those objects, our habits, our attitudes, our reactions. Once these are set in motion, they persist on their course until an external force, be it a person, an event, a divine intervention, prompts us to change. So today, as we dive into Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 to 9, unveiling a story titled, what? Biting Words, Healing Glance. This account mirrors the law of inertia in our spiritual journeys. The Israelites, grumbling and mistrustful amidst hardships, are they not us? Set in a wrong motion away from God and his chosen leaders until God intervenes. You see, our guiding theme today is this. In times of hardship and disillusionment, we must resist the urge to grumble and blame, but rather in humility, seek God's deliverance through repentance and renewed trust in his appointed leaders. But how do we access this external force to alter our spiritual course? 
How do we break free from this inertia of negativity and mistrust? You see, the roadmap is embedded in these verses we're looking at today. It suggests that through humility, repentance, and renewed trust in God's plan, we can alter our trajectory, aligning ourselves towards God's grace and His deliverance. So today, I invite all of us to engage and to reflect and to journey with me through this ancient narrative that holds remarkable meaning today. I urge you to connect these timeless lessons to your present-day realities. Let's remember that our lives aren't just guided by laws of physics. No. More importantly, our lives are guided by the transformative power of God's grace. Together, will you move with me in this new direction, a trajectory of humility, repentance, and renewed trust, leading us away from biting words and towards a healing glance? Now let's prepare our hearts and minds for this task at hand by going to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, with hearts open and spirits willing, we seek your divine guidance, provision, and grace. As the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts find favor in your sight, we ask you to illuminate the Bible for us while we make sense of your timeless truths and apply them to our present circumstances. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, imagine yourself stepping right into these dusty ancient pages in the book of Numbers chapter 21, verse 4. As the narrative unfolds before us, we find the Israelites are grappling with frustration and restlessness during their challenging journey. Painted in vivid strokes by our chronicler, Moses, this moment mirrors an inner struggle we might all recognize too well. It's as if we hear a beat and we are dancing to the rhythm of God's timeline. The Hebrew word for impatient illuminates the heart of this narrative. It's a word that speaks to us of feeling cut off, cornered, deflated. Think of it as standing in a room where you begin to feel the walls closing in on you. The pressure builds, the heart beats quicken. Doesn't it precisely capture the Israelites' emotional landscape? They were weary, feeling hemmed in by their circumstances, their faith teetering right on the brink. Now, there's another word here, became impatient. Now, that's a phrase that ought to stop us in our tracks. It marks a pivotal point here in this verse 4, a sharp contrast to their prior trust in God's divine timing and provision. You see, what they were wrestling with was more than just the typical rigors of a long journey through a wilderness desert. It was a spiritual battle, a test of their faith, the uncomfortable realities of their wilderness trek unmasked the fragility of their belief 
in God's promises and His divine timing. A struggle that might resonate with many of us. Through the lens of Moses' straightforward storytelling, we're invited to consider our own reactions to God's timeline. See, when our journey takes an unexpected turn or it extends far longer than we anticipated, don't we also mirror the impatience that we read about in the Israelites? The echoes of this timeless lesson reverberates even today, touching every corner of our lives from our church community and to our personal experiences. Our wilderness might not be a physical desert, but it is peppered nonetheless with trials, be it work-related issues, family conflict, or worries about our future. Like the Israelites, we might stumble into impatience, questioning God's plan and timing as we long, as we wait for resolution or success. But what if we were to choose to listen to that beat and choose to dance to the timing of God's plans for us, trusting in His divine plan amidst our struggles. Is it possible? I believe it is. Consider the words of Psalm 27, verse 14. We wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. The repeated call to wait patiently for the Lord hammers home the importance of patience and trust in God's divine timing. Meanwhile, this other exhortation to be brave and courageous, it reinforces the idea of holding fast to our faith amidst the uncertainty and adversity that is a part of life. This verse could serve as a rallying cry for all of us, a call to trust God's plan and await His timing with courage and strength. In Hebrews 6.12, we read, Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. This verse underscores this nexus between faith, patience, and the fruition of God's promises. It motivates us to be patient and unwavering in our faith, following in the footsteps of those who have gone before us, those who have walked this path successfully. Take, for example, a young adult, and uh, let's just call him Jacob. He's stepping into the corporate world after completing college. The shine of his new career soon loses its luster as he grapples with tedious, repetitive tasks and slow career growth, leading in him a surge of impatience and discontent. You see, here, the wisdom that we find in, chapter, in verse 4 can guide Jacob towards a more fulfilling path. Rather than brooding over his impatience and frustration, Jacob could, he could, cultivate patience and resilience 
reminding himself that every step, no matter how small, contributes to his personal and his professional growth. Endurance, trust in God's guidance, acceptance of the journey, even when it doesn't align with his own plans. You see, this shift in perspective wouldn't just improve his work life, but would draw him also closer to what God intends for him, to trust his plan and lean into his timing. We can take a page out of this book too. When life gets tough, we have a choice, don't we? We can choose to grumble. We can choose to be impatient and doubt God's timing or His goodness to us. Or we can choose to be patient, resilient, and trust in God's promises. The Israelites stumbled, allowing frustration to eclipse their patience and trust in God's guidance. But we can choose a different course. Let's choose faith over doubt. Let's embrace that journey and celebrate what we have in God's perfect timing, being confident in knowledge that God is gently guiding us towards His divine promises. Now, let's continue our journey through Numbers chapter 21, verse 5. Here we find a significant moment in the Israelites' wilderness wanderings. They grumble about the very sustenance God provides him, manna, or as they called it, worthless food. Now, isn't this an all-familiar tone? It echoes our own tendency to complain, to grow weary of the goodness that we have received to overlook and undervalue God's countless blessings. It reminds us of times when we too have been less than grateful, when we struggle to recognize the grace that constantly showers upon us. Now, you can picture this. Moses and the Israelites, they're weary from the journey, frustrated and discontent, and out of their mouths, just falls out of their mouths. In the heat of the moment comes these waves of complaints. If we're honest with ourselves, doesn't this also at times describe ourselves? Suddenly, verse 5 and 6, we're introduced to fiery serpents. In the original Hebrew, it's saraf nakash, I mention that because it's not just snakes, but there's this fiery element to them. This phrase isn't just about the burn that you would feel when you're bitten or the scorch of the hot desert sun. No, it's a metaphor that speaks volumes. The serpent throughout Scripture is typically a symbol of sin and its deadly outcomes. And here, its fiery nature points to the searing pain of divine discipline that the Israelites experience in, the response, in response to their rebellion. These fiery serpents, then, are a vivid sign of God's righteous judgment upon His grumbling people. 
But let's slow down a bit, pause. So when we read here, the Lord sent fiery serpents, it's not about an angry God on a vengeful rampage. It's a portrayal of a loving father disciplining his children of their waywardness. God's intention was never to inflict harm out of spite, but to use this moment as a mirror. And what do they see? A reflection of their rebellion. Just as a loving parent guides a child back onto a right path, so does our Heavenly Father do for us. This is a profound lesson for us all. Like the Israelites, we often struggle to find the hidden blessings in our trials, choosing instead to grumble against the challenges that come our way. But what if, what if instead we saw these trials as opportunities for growth, as stepping stones to spiritual maturity? As we journey further into this narrative, we're confronted with the Israelites' disdain for manna. It's could you imagine eating the same thing day after day, week after week for 40 years? So we can relate with them when they say and they treat it as worthless manna, worthless food. This Crossbridge family is an uncomfortable mirror that reflects our own attitude. It's a stark reminder of our propensity to underestimate and disregard God's blessing where they don't match up with what we want and when we want it. This rings a bell, doesn't it? And so I invite you to some introspection to assess our own responses to God's provisions. Consider the Apostle Paul's wisdom in, found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 to 15. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. This is our challenge. It's a call to thankfulness and contentment, a complete pivot from the grumbling behavior displayed by the Israelites in verse 5. But what does this look like for us here? Like the Israelites grumbling about manna, we too can grumble about God's provisions. Think about your jobs. Think about your homes. Your relationships with family, co-workers. Or the situations that, other situations that you might find yourself in. We need to cultivate an attitude of gratitude, recognizing that what God provides is not just enough, but it is exactly what we need in that moment, serving God's perfect purpose. It's an invitation to transform our grumbles into gratitude, our complaints into praises. Can we do it? Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 echo this sentiment. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
This means giving thanks in both abundance and scarcity. And triumphs as well as in your trials. It's about acknowledging God's provision and fostering that attitude of gratitude in every high and every low. But we can go deeper yet. There's another layer that we find in this narrative. The Israelites' misuse of something that they had access to, biblical lament. Lament is a biblical expression of sorrow or regret. It's a passionate outpouring of our hearts to God in times of distress. But the Israelites took this opportunity to lament and they twisted it. They turned that lament into complaints, grumbling out of dissatisfaction, pointing fingers at God and Moses for their perceived hardship. Instead of a genuine plea to God, it became an act of rebellion. Can we see these echoes in our lives today? Do we sometimes misuse the opportunity for lament and instead use our circumstances as an excuse for blame and grumbling rather than having a heartfelt cry to our Heavenly Father? We need to be cautious. We need to be careful because these attitudes can undermine the unity within our Christian communities and obscure our view of God's faithfulness. So where do we go from here? Repentance is our path to transformation. We need to recognize and confess these unhelpful attitudes as sin. We need to replace them with trust in God and respect for His leaders. It's not about suppressing concerns. It's not about stifling your voice. It's, instead, it's about voicing them constructively, respectfully, and with a sincere desire for growth. Remembering God's past provision enables us to trust His future guidance. Furthermore, imagine feeling dissatisfied with the direction of your church's worship. What we have here is not perfect, okay? And so there's room for improvement. But instead of grumbling, I've appreciated that some have chosen to pray for understanding, for patience, and wisdom. Many have modeled this approach with the leaders, expressing these concerns to leaders respectfully and constructively. Recalling past blessings in your worship experience indeed fosters gratitude and trust in God's guidance. And so, Crossbridge, as we traverse the path from grumbling to gratitude, let's embrace God's provision in all its forms. Let's understand the importance of righteous lament, which draws us closer to God rather than push us further away from Him. Let's build community that's rooted in unity and respect, mirroring the heart of our Heavenly Father. This is our challenge. This is our journey. As we walk this path together, we move together to comprehending and appreciating God's unfailing provision 
showcasing His grace and glory in our lives. Now, as we proceed to Numbers 21, verses 6 to 9, we plumb deeper into this profound narrative. It's a tale so far marked by transgression, confession, and now the sweet taste of restoration. This passage beautifully encapsulates our journey, does it not? A journey that often moves from bitterness to healing. It moves a journey that may involve rebelling at some point, but it can end with finding sweet comfort in God's loving forgiveness. And so let's take a moment to look at the language, the choice of words in this passage. There's this Hebrew term here, katal, mentioned in verse 7 that it's translated as sinned. Now, sin is such a common word, but in this case, it's moving beyond just this notion of simply breaking law, whether it be divine or not. But instead, it communicates an awareness, a recognition, and an admission of wrongdoing. It's like the Israelites suddenly seeing themselves in that mirror, their hearts heavy with remorse. That's what sin here is communicating. And when we move to verse 8 and 9, there's this word here that's translated from Hebrew as live. It paints this picture. It points to this renewal, not only of our health from a serpent's bite, but it's a spiritual rejuvenation in our relationship with God and with one another. You can almost visualize the turning point in this passage. You look at that phrase there in verse 6, the Lord sent fiery serpents. This is more than just a retribution, as I've mentioned before, but it's a physical manifestation of their spiritual stumble. It's a visible mark of a hidden wound. You all know what I'm talking about. You have those wounds. Next, you see the humility with which the Israelites come forward. What do they say? They say, we have sinned. Pray to the Lord. This shows their repentance and longing for Moses to seek God's mercy on their behalf. And then the climax in verses 8 and 9, where the seeds of faith and obedience are sown and nurtured. Everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. Imagine the depth of faith and hope in those words, recognizing God's healing power and willingness to follow His path. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 14, we find a clear affirmation of such faith. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. For you are my what? Praise. For you are my praise. Do you feel the determination represented by the repetition, I shall be healed, I shall be saved? It's like an anthem of trust in God's power to heal and save. An anthem that we too can sing amidst our spiritual trials. As Moses weaves this narrative, he uses vivid imagery, fiery serpents representing divine judgment. 
And we also get this other symbol here, the bronze serpent representing God's healing. These two symbols embody that harsh reality of sin's aftermath and also the comforting promise of God's forgiveness. Do you have something that you want God to forgive you for? Picture this scene through the lens of Isaiah 59, verse 2. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, He has turned away and will not listen anymore. The imagery of God turning away underscores how sin creates a chasm between us and Him. It's like having a wall between two friends, preventing communication. This stark and severe picture serves as a potent reminder of the severity of unrepented sin. So what shall we do? We are reminded that sin has serious consequences, that repentance is a lifeline, and that faith in God's healing touch can turn our lives around. We are not that dissimilar than to the Israelites. When we complain or fail to appreciate God's blessing, we often end up wandering in the wilderness of spiritual hardship. But here's the beauty of God's love. When we admit our faults, express genuine remorse, and turn back to Him, He showers us with healing and restoration. Look at John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The phrase, if we confess our sins, this underscores the importance of repentance. It assures us of God's unwavering promise as stated in He is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's like a refreshing spiritual shower, washing away our impurities and making us whole again. And let me bring this home. Think about our relationships within our communities, our personal lives. We need to recognize our shortcomings, admit our sins, and seek forgiveness. Now, I'm going to present to you a hypothetical story, and, but it might as well be represented by two people maybe repeated many times over in our own congregation, where these two church members have fallen into a pit of bitterness over a disagreement. And so to climb out of this pit, they need to first acknowledge their own role in the dispute. And then it's about seeking forgiveness from God and from the person wronged and of themselves. Finally, it's about having faith in God's healing and trusting in that possibility of reconciliation. Now, I'm going to put names in this story, so consider Larry's story. Now, Larry is a dedicated church member who's harbored resentment against another member, let's call her Susan, over a past dispute. Now, you see, Larry's fiery serpent was his bitterness 
and it caused a rift in his relationship with Susan and the community. And when Larry recognized this bitterness as sin, he was doing what the Israelites were doing in verse 7. Seeking Susan's forgiveness was then Larry's bronze serpent, a step towards healing and mending that broken relationship. And in doing so, he not only restored his relationship with Susan and the community, but he realigned himself with God, and he showcasing the transformative power of repentance. We look at James chapter 5, verse 16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Here, confess your sins to one another reminds us of the value of vocalizing, verbalizing, sharing with one another our sins. Confession shines a light on our sins, taking them out of the dark corners of our hearts, and it invites healing. The part about that you may be healed underscores the restoration that comes from confession and prayer, reinstating the power of God's healing touch. In the story of the Israelites, we witness the transformative journey of repentance and forgiveness. It's like looking into a mirror, reflecting our own struggles and the road to healing. It's a timeless reminder of God's grace, urging us to move from bitterness to healing, from complaining to expressing gratitude. Family of Crossbridge, today we have journeyed through the wilderness of Numbers 21, understanding the story of the Israelites as our story as well. We have seen the dangers of grumbling, the power of gratitude, and the transformative potential of repentance. Remember, just as the Israelites discovered hardships are not always punishments, but are opportunities for growth, spiritual maturity, and renewed trust in God and His appointed leaders. Let's reflect on this. How often do we, like the Israelites, grumble in our moments of distress? How frequently do we forget God's blessings and in our disillusionment point fingers and blame? We must resist these tendencies. Let's strive to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Let's seek God's deliverance through repentance, just as the Israelites sought forgiveness through Moses. Let's entrust our trials to God and have faith in His divine provision. So let's journey on, Crossbridge family. From grumbling to gratitude, from bitterness to healing, let's be vessels of God's love and grace, reflecting His love in our lives, in our community, and in our world. Always remembering that in the wilderness of life, God's healing is available in a prayer. Will you join me now in prayer? Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the lessons from the Israelites. Help us resist the grumbling and hardships and cultivate gratitude. Lead us to your deliverance through repentance, trusting your provision. When despair bites, lift our eyes to Jesus, our Savior. Heal us and renew our commitment. May we journey from grumbling to gratitude, bitterness to healing. Transform us by your love that's in life's wilderness. Our humble prayers lead us to your deliverance.
In Jesus' name, amen.